Aren't you just enjoying the music today? Amen. Amen. It's good to be here, and it's good to see so many of you here. I'm losing my voice. The Bible tells us that it's good to give thanks to the Lord. Amen? But we've had a very interesting year, haven't we? And my question for us today is, in these dark days, are God's promises to us in Scripture eliminated, or are they to be employed as navigators? Does Thanksgiving end when the lights go out, when the party is over? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for welcoming us to your banqueting table today. We come with hungry hearts. Spread your banner of love over us and speak to each of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus and his disciples arrive in Bethany at the home Martha shares with her siblings Lazarus and Mary. In Luke 10, 38 to 42, Martha is the village's hostess extraordinaire. And Jesus resumes his teaching. Mary gets a seat and sits comfortably at his feet. Spellbound, Mary continues to listen, drinking up every word. Maybe Martha stops for a minute. I'm not sure. Luke says in verse 39 that Mary also sat. So I'm not sure if he meant Martha was there as well. But Martha hardly stops before a zillion thoughts invade her mind at the speed of light. There is so much to do for these guests. I can't just sit. What will they think? Truth be told, Martha really wants to sit. She doesn't know Jesus well, but his words are stirring something up in her and refreshing her in the depths of her soul. But 30 seconds seems like an eternity. She is in a bind. If she stays, who is going to minister to these people? And if she goes, who is going to minister to her soul that is awakening at the moment. If only I had known they were coming, I would be ready. But she reverts to her default mode and putting love for service over love for self and bursting with enthusiasm, Martha's heart tugs at her head and yanks her feet. In the kitchen, Martha cooks up a storm. With the speed, skill, and agility of an Olympic figure skater, pies, tarts, cornbread, mashed potatoes, turkey, vegan turkey, uh, uh, (laughs) cranberry sauce, she moves. In that house in Bethany, Jesus paints pictures of the love of God and the flourishing life of the kingdom. Martha sits and Mary sweats. 
every drop of sweat forms another storm inside Martha. Celebrating Jesus is so stressful. And where is that Martha, that Mary? Martha could not contain her feelings anymore. Her mind is frazzled. She's physically distressed. She feels extremely battered and bruised. Look at that Mary acting like a maverick. No woman does that. Which woman sits at a rabbi's feet as if she's learning to be a disciple? I'm committed. I'm competent. I'm conscientious. Why am I stressed out, unnoticed, unthanked? I deserve to be appreciated. Martha is having a meltdown. Perhaps she should sit down. In one swift move, Martha stands over where Jesus sits. Lord, do you realize how much effort it takes to prepare for you and your guests at such short notice? And do you realize that by harboring my sister, by having my sister hang out with you here, that I have to do it all on my own? Ignoring the eyes glued to her and without waiting for an answer, Martha commands Jesus. Yes, in the Greek it's an imperative. She commands Jesus. Then tell her to help me. To Martha, it's only fair that Jesus should support her. Surely he realizes the huge sacrifice that she's making to not be like Mary and just sit. It's because Martha embraces her God-given gift of hospitality to care deeply for the needs of others, going the extra mile, doing her all, and then some is what makes Martha, Martha. But Jesus doesn't support Martha. He doesn't send Mary. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't say thank you. He's been watching Martha, and he's been waiting. She welcomes him for the first time in her home, but she doesn't receive him, doesn't offer him the customary water to wash his feet, no kiss, no oil to anoint his head. He knows from the way she calls him Lord that she doesn't really believe in his name. Because her mind is so easily distracted, he knows he has only 30 seconds to get her to salivate. So with the affection and concern that only Jesus could give, he pours out his heart. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part. And it will not be taken away from her. Lights out. The party is over. Uh Uh-oh. Mary's choice is good. And Martha's? Is Jesus saying that all the Marthas in this church, our staff and our volunteers, is Jesus saying that they're second-class disciples? What does Jesus mean? 
Can Martha give thanks now that the party is over? Is Jesus saying that celebrations are not necessary? I don't think so. Jesus himself himself says that some people call him a drunkard and a glutton because he is quite the social butterfly. He's intentional about making friends with all kinds of people and sharing the good news of the kingdom. He eats with anyone, tax collectors, Pharisees, families like Peter and his his mother-in-law, and even 5,000. So... Is Jesus saying that he and his disciples are not hungry? I think Jesus realizes that after a long walk from Jericho, they would be hungry. He cares about his disciples and he understands that they would be in need of refreshment. In Luke 9.53, he sends messengers ahead to ask some people to prepare for them. And the people refused. Surely Martha will be rewarded as one who receives him. Is Jesus saying that hospitality is not important? I don't think so. He and his disciples depend much on the hospitality of people in their wandering lifestyle. When he's instructing the disciples, he says to them, stay at one house in each village, don't take anything with you, and eat whatever is put before you. In the New Testament, Christians are encouraged to practice hospitality. So is Jesus saying that we shouldn't be busy? Jesus calls his disciples and he says to them, listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So he teaches them to cast out demons and to heal the sick. Do you think they're going to be busy? Of course, he sends them out to be busy. Surely he expects Martha to busy herself to get the refreshments ready. And yet he says... Only one thing is necessary. Necessary for what? Necessary for who? And if Mary chooses the good part because she's sitting at his feet, what does it mean to sit at his feet anyway? In the Jewish culture, sitting at someone's feet means a student is submissively learning from a teacher who is held in high regard. In Acts 22 verse 3, Paul tells us that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Surely it must be a wonderful thing to sit at the feet of Jesus. But is Jesus saying that this is the one thing that we should do all the time? I don't think so. Because shortly before they arrived in Bethany, he talked to a lawyer about the Good Samaritan and he told the lawyer about the Good Samaritan's sacrifice, hospitality, and mercy, and then he encouraged the lawyer to go and do likewise. So then, if Jesus isn't saying that celebrations are not important, and he isn't saying that he isn't hungry, and he isn't saying that hospitality is not important, and he isn't saying that we shouldn't be busy, and he isn't saying that we should spend all our time sitting at his feet, then what is he saying? Why does he reject Martha's celebration for him? I believe that Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, I appreciate what you are trying to do. 
There's nothing I desire more than to celebrate with you. All heaven rejoices, and nothing gladdens my heart more than your desire to feast with me. I long for you to rest in me and experience the warmth of my embrace, for you to relax in the comfort and enjoyment of my love, for you to cuddle in intimacy with me and my Father and diffuse the fragrance of our love everywhere. But Martha, Martha, I want you to enjoy celebrating me. Nothing will satisfy me more than when we enjoy each other. Come, learn the rhythms of my love and grace. I crave for more of you, more of who you are, not what you do. I want you to hunger and thirst for my word. Let me satisfy your hungry heart. I know that when you taste and see how good I am, that you will love me well and you will celebrate me well. The one thing that is necessary right now is that you listen and learn and live my love. Everything else can wait. Jesus says, the most important thing I desire from each of you today is a deep and intimate relationship. I know how busy you can get socializing and doing things for the social event for me, but we never will find the time to cultivate satisfying intimacy in a deep relationship that way. That is why Jesus reminds us that God delights when we make it a priority to listen and learn and live what his love accomplishes for us. When we become more like him in character, then we will be effective in our calling and in our celebrations. I know that I'm, I can almost expect that some of us here will be cynical about Martha, the overachiever. But we will be sentimental about Mary because she's easygoing. But the truth is, Martha is just as devoted as she demonstrates, and Mary is just as dependent as she appears. Both Martha and Mary celebrate Jesus. Both express wholehearted gratitude and devotion. Jesus does not reject Martha's affection nor her celebration of him. Jesus loves Martha as much as he loves Mary. Martha is not second class. And Jesus does not ask her to forget her call to service. What Jesus wants her to understand is that she does not need to choose between a bad thing and a good thing. They're both good. Her love for Jesus and her love for service. But she must decide how she will order her life 
for eternity. At the end of the day, she must choose. When Jesus enters our lives, he offers his deep transforming love. It is as he heals us that we're able to love well. With our thinking shaped by the Lord's word, we're able to love better, to love him, to love ourselves, and to love others. We celebrate because of what God's love accomplishes for us and in us. God's most precious gift to us is salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Because of Christ's transforming love, we have the assurance of salvation, not because of what we do, but because of what Christ does. Jesus wants us to learn the art of giving thanks and celebrating with him even when the lights go out. What Jesus is saying to Martha and to us is, I want you. I will help you craft your art at loving me, yourself and others, so that your service reflects me and your celebration of me is satisfying to you. Jesus is inviting Martha into relationship, not just out for refreshment. He's inviting Martha to choose to be inside the circle so that she can understand and experience what she sees in Mary. To be in the circle is to choose to, to be Jesus' disciple. Mary knows Jesus well. If someone had delivered you from seven demons, you would know them well. Mary's passionate love and gratitude to Jesus often leaves her speechless but she shouts her thanks in silence through intensifying images at his feet. Mary's radical celebration of her Lord gives her boldness to enter new spaces as his disciple. No woman should be sitting in the company of the men learning as a disciple. But Jesus knows Mary's heart. Jesus also knows Martha's heart. Martha is outside the circle because she does not yet know Jesus well. She has not yet chosen to be his disciple. Martha's service for Jesus eats up all her time. But her relationship with Jesus cannot even get a slice of her time. Still, Jesus relishes the opportunity when Martha comes to him to complain about Mary because it gives him an opportunity to just whet her appetite, to challenge her to want something more. There must be more. He knows that her motive is not purely self-serving. Her cry for help goes far beyond the kitchen. It's not that she's had her fill of serving is that her intensive, self-reliant enthusiasm sometimes chokes her serving. Because her service is so demanding, Martha welcomes Jesus into her home, but it seems that she does not welcome him into her life. He seems to make no difference to the way she lives. 
This is the first time he comes. She welcomes him, sits down for a minute, and then disappears. She does not even stop to listen too long. To Martha, Jesus is just another guest, a good teacher. Because she does not understand what it means to be in his presence, she sacrifices the opportunity with Jesus, and she ends up being dejected and discouraged. And so Jesus now extends a special invitation to Martha to enjoy the joy of his, to enter the joy of his abiding presence. Martha, Martha, surrender all the things that are distracting you and come, listen, learn from me. There's a time to do and there's a time to stop doing and listen. The one thing that is necessary right now is that you listen and learn and live my love. Everything else can wait. Being a disciple of Jesus is not primarily a matter of getting the right ideas and doctrines. First slide, please. Into your head in order to guarantee proper behavior. Rather, it's a matter of being the right kind of person who loves rightly by loving God and neighbor and who is oriented to the world by the primacy of that love. Being the right kind of, being a disciple of Jesus, being oriented by love. I praise God that Jesus wants both Martha and Mary to be in the kingdom. That's why Jesus is in Bethany. His journey to Jerusalem is ultimately a date with death. To give his flesh as bread for the life of the world. Yet Jesus delays his destiny with a deliberate detour in Bethany. What boundless love. Whatever your circumstances have been like for you this year, whoever you are, wherever you are, you can receive and drink the tender love that Jesus offers for your soul's satisfaction. It's a love that's healing, liberating, transforming, empowering, saves you, pleases you, and will help you to find yourself. You do not need to do anything to earn it. So you ask, if I don't have to do anything for it, then why does it seem that I'm always doing so much? Why does Martha choose to do so much? And the answer is, I don't know. I think Luke deliberately just wants us to see that there's so many possibilities of why. And perhaps in Martha's story, you can find yourself, which would be different from my reason and the other person's reason and the other person's reason. But there's a reason that each of us will tend to do what we do. But Jesus is speaking to all of us, whether it's personality, Self-rejection, 
codependence, legalism, ignorance, or some other reason, whatever it is, Jesus offers us good news. Through his life and death, Martha's can get self-affirmation instead of self-rejection. Whether Martha is here, online, or in the text, whether Martha is male or female, young or old, Martha can get self-affirmation instead of self-rejection. No longer must Martha justify why she's here or he's here. That person's value is not determined by what they do. The gospel declares that you are affirmed simply because God loves you. So as you yearn to love, as you learn to love your Lord, as Martha learns to love her Lord, she will uncover a whole host of reasons why she can give thanks even when the lights go out. So what became of Martha after all of that? How did she respond? Did she reject or refuse what Jesus said? Let's go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 11 and and chapter 12. We can find there's some clues as to what happened to Martha. And I hope today that when you see Martha's journey and see yourself, that you will be inspired to follow her example. So in John 11, Martha's brother, Lazarus, who lived at the house with them, he's died, unfortunately. So everybody's sad. And it, if you know in that culture, there, there, there are mourners who have come to, to, to mourn the loss of the loved one. So there are a lot of people at the house. Who is happy? Martha. She has a lot of people to host, right? Absolutely. Unfortunately, when Jesus arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. So what can he do? Lazarus is already dead. But watch, when Martha hears that Jesus is down the road, she goes out to meet him. Not surprising, she is Martha, right? But here is what she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha said that? What does that say about Martha? Something has changed, right? Something has changed. She believes. If you were here, my brother would not have died. What renewed spirit in Martha? What mature faith in Martha? Clearly, she now embraces Jesus' teachings personally. And she's enjoying intimacy with him. And she goes on to say even further, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Isn't that wonderful to watch her transform? And then she says, in response to Jesus' question, she said, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one to come into the world. 
Why do you think Jesus asked her, do you believe? Because he remembers the Martha in Luke 10, who he knows did not believe. And he wanted her to, re, to even in that moment, see her, tra- her own transformation. Jesus' graceful rebuke of Martha in Luke 10 helps her learn the art of loving God. He does not always have to say yes for us to love him. Sometimes no is a much better answer. If I knew that I would grow like Martha did, I'd want him to rebuke me. But not only that, remember, there are a lot of people at the house now, right? So Martha should be in her element serving. Oh, please, not on the, oh, watch the sofa. Oh, the water. Oh, she should have been there doing that, right? But she runs and she leaves them all unattended and she goes to see her Lord. Martha is learning to love herself. What I need now is not to be taking care of somebody. I need somebody to take care of me. And I'm going to someone I know who can. I don't help myself by trying always to be the one to help. Right now, I need Jesus. She is learning to love herself. And then, surprise of all surprises, what does she do next? She goes inside and she says, Mary, he's here. (laughs) Do you remember what she did the last time Mary was close to Jesus? This time, she's sending Mary to Jesus. She is learning to love others. So Martha's rebuke, Jesus' gentle and loving rebuke in Luke 10 has transformed this woman in ways we would never imagine. And and like I said, she could be a man too. You understand what I mean. (laughs) In John 12, Jesus is attending a party at Simon's house. Party goer that he is. And guess who is catering? Martha. Of course. Martha is catering and she calmly and capably serves, although Mary is still getting all the attention as she is wiping Jesus' feet with her hair and washing them with her tears. But it doesn't bother Martha anymore. She knows her place in Jesus' heart. So Martha has learned to love and serve with an undivided heart. I want you to listen to this quotation I have here from Ellen Cherry. Um, It's not going to be on the screen, so I want you to listen closely. It says, people become happier as they love more flexibly. Flexibly is my word. She had another word there, which is quite old, I think. So people become happier as they love more flexibly. And skilled by divine wisdom. This joy is the pinnacle of human happiness. And it may not be linear or steady progress, but it cannot be nullified, even in adversity. 
knowing that God delights as we grow from strength to strength, encourages those who are in the light to stay the course, enjoying participation in God's enjoyment of his cherished creation. So we enjoy God as he enjoys us, and together we enjoy his creation. Isn't that beautiful? Is, I, I want to be that kind of person. Isn't the love of Jesus simply wonderful? Jesus says in Hebrews 12, My son, do not despise my chastening, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked. For whom the Lord love, loves, he chastens. We're always free to choose whether we're going to receive or refuse Jesus. But Martha inspires us to receive the rebuke. Like the caterpillar becoming the butterfly, we see her coming out. Beautiful and strong. As God promises Israel, he promises each of us in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Jesus is calling all of us to learn to love well. Let us be thankful that we have a story of what the presence of Jesus means in our lives. And we can tell that story by the way we live, even when the lights go out. The more we listen to Jesus, the more reasons we will have to be thankful because we will see how his transforming love what his transforming love accomplishes for us. And so I want you to join me in reading just a few reasons why we can be thankful, as we have seen in the lives of Mary and Martha. So the first one on the screen is, like Mary, I am thankful and encouraged that I learn to love well as Jesus' love is absorbed into my spiritual bloodstream. Ingrained character traits that threaten to retard my flourishing are washed away by the powerful flood of his tender love. Two, like Mary, I'm thankful that Jesus' love makes me a bold and confident as a child of God. Three, like Martha, I'm thankful that Jesus heals me by giving me tasks that redirect me from dysfunctional emotions and patterns of behavior towards wholeness. And four, like Martha, I'm thankful that Jesus does not give up on me and that his rebuke is redemptive. Aren't you glad that he doesn't give up on you? I'm so glad he doesn't give up on me. So he invites us not to live by bread alone, but by his every word. Remember, God delights when we listen, learn, and live what his love accomplishes for us. Slide, please. God delights when we listen, learn, and live what his love accomplishes for us. Remember, everything else can wait. 
As we celebrate this holiday season, let's remember that we're not society's construction. We're God's creation. Let's drink deeply from God's love and allow it to overflow, run over to others. Let's be deliberate to show others that because of God's manifold blessings, there are still reasons to give thanks in a world that's torn by pandemic and politics, economics, emotional health, opioid oppression, war, and a multitude of other sins. Let us learn the art of loving well and celebrate in such a way that we tantalize others with the love of Jesus that they too may taste and give thanks. So how do we learn the art of loving well? We do this by practicing what Jesus practiced. Rituals of the heart and mind. Heart rhythms that we develop at his feet. So let's try celebrating more time in solitude and silence. Getting ourselves in a space mentally as well as physically that allows us to see and hear Jesus more clearly. And you will, leave to leave, you will need to leave the meta behind you. You know that. The Facebook and the... Okay. Two, let's celebrate more time listening to God, talking to us in his word. And three, let's celebrate more time fasting. Celebrate with fasting because it helps us to learn self-control as we learn to depend on God. Solitude, silence, listening, and fasting are just a few of the starters to tantalize us to listen, learn, and live what God's love accomplishes for us. So let us all rejoice in giving thanks. We can still break the bread and share the love of Jesus. We are God's own people called out of darkness to proclaim his marvelous light. In the midst of moral, spiritual, and intellectual darkness, we must shine as lights. Thank God we have the treasure of God's light in our hearts. We have his power and we can do all things through Christ. So that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So if you prayed and hoped, and it seems that the lights are going out or have gone out, don't give up. Jesus is still the light of the world. And there are still many reasons to give thanks. So give thanks to the Lord and bless his name for he is good. Amen. If you would like to respond to this message... Please text the word Martha, that's M-A-R-T-H-A, to 269-28-12345. That's Martha to 269-28-12345. Let's pray. Great God, we just worship you today. Thank you for feeding our souls. Continue to be our light. 
May we continue to experience your love. Teach us how to listen and learn and live what your love accomplishes for us. Because we know, really, everything else can wait. Amen.